Well, it's great to have you here in person as we continue on with our series, Simply Christmas, as we look at Christmas Eve tonight, and number part five, and a special shout out to some of the folks joining online. I know Jim and Judy couldn't make it. They need to be home with a granddaughter tonight. The Hortons are visiting family. Uh, Kim Ray couldn't be here. And then a special shout out to Bob and Sharon Coriel, who abandoned us and went down south. So I hope they're having nice warm weather down there. Over our series, we've been asking questions about Christmas trees and such. And uh, last uh, week, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, my daughter and her husband's first Christmas tree and how they discovered some spiders in there, and eventually the tree had to go. And so as we think about trees, and I don't even dare ask you whether you have your tree set up yet, but uh, as we think about trees and think about spiders in your tree, I don't think uh, much of us have had to deal with something like this. There's a cat inside my Christmas tree. It's four in the morning, four fifteen in the morning. I hear a scuffle in through the doggy door. I don't know how the heck this just happened. There's a cat inside my Christmas tree. Hang on. Yeah, I know. I want it out too. This is your fault. It's four thirty now. No, it's not a cat. What is that? Is that a squirrel? No. What is that? Is it a cat? Squirrel? What is it? Go! Get! Get! Oh, it's a raccoon. This is bad. This is bad. in the morning. These are all the ornaments that made it. There's my beautiful tree. There's the raccoon. There's the dog. So we're done talking about trees for a little while, but I think that tree takes the cake. Not spiders, but a raccoon. I hope you all check your trees when you get home tonight. And if you're watching from home, you're checking out to make sure there's nothing crazy on that. You know, as we talk about Christmas and we're trying to boil it down to simply Christmas, our Advent wreath, uh, we've talked about hope. Uh, we've talked about love. We've talked about peace. Uh, we've talked about a number of things. And tonight we talk about Christ. And those are basically the components of simply Christmas. And one of the other pieces of Christmas, obviously, is Jesus, is Christ, and as Cindy read that story, and as we've heard through some of the singing of the songs, the Advent wreath, that uh, there's a lot of names tied up with Jesus. And uh, Jesus has multiple names, multiple ways to describe him. And usually when you and I uh, name something or name a child, a lot of times we want to make sure the child's name sounds good, it fits with the last name, the middle name works, all those kinds of things. But not often, sometimes, but not often are we thinking about really the meaning of the name. Well, in other cultures, the meaning of the name is actually more important than actually the sound of the name. 
And like Jesus, as we discovered and have been talking about, Jesus is the name saves. It's the same name for Joshua that we see in the Older Testament. Some cultures that we come across actually have the name, they name their child Jesus, and that's just another way of naming Joshua. Sometimes that seems maybe a little odd to us, but there's so much more in a name when it comes to Older Testament, New Testament, other cultures, and sometimes we forget about that. Uh, you may recall this little story, and it's all about the names. Hi-ho! Hi-ho! Do I dare even do a test? Uh, what are the names of the seven dwarfs? Not all seven, right in a row. Who can name one? Okay, Doc? Sleepy? Bashful? Grumpy? I like Grumpy. I kind of relate to him. A couple other ones? Dopey? Sleepy? I've got them written down just so I wouldn't miss any. Doc, Bashful, Sneezy, Happy, Dopey, Sleepy, and Grumpy. And there actually were some names, and I don't know if this is a really scientifically legend or whatever, but there were some names that didn't make it. There was Snoopy, uh, Babbly, Dizzy, Graceful, Hotsy, <laughs> Jumpy, and Biggie Wiggy, <laughs> whatever. So, you know, again, names are really important. Uh, Cindy dropped the fact of my middle name, really not excited about that name, but that's what it was. Uh, one time it was going to be David Edward Frederick Spencer. And my mother, whose name is Myrna, saved me from that because she said, let's not have too many weird, odd names. So when it comes to a baby, when it comes to a child, you know, now we have a book of like 10,000 names. I can remember when we were expecting twins and someone thought they were being helpful and they gave us this book with 10,000 names. That was not helpful at all. Uh, I'd like to just keep it down to a few choices, uh, regular names, but again, names mean something. And uh, in Jesus' day, setting up to the birth of Jesus, his name meant something. Uh, even Paul writes about Jesus' name a few years later. He says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And it's the idea that Jesus' name uh, should instill awe, wonder, reverence, thankfulness, gratefulness, all these many facets are all tied up in Jesus' name. And in another place in Philippians, Jesus says that every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. And there's some future date coming where Jesus is going to be introduced, reintroduced to the world, and we, no matter where we're at, will we'll take a knee because of who he is and, and what he's done. Uh, in this whole series, we've read this passage uh, the angels talk about this. You will name him Jesus, which means the Lord saves, because this Jesus is the person who will save all his people from their sins. So we could do like a huge study, have a book, all these kinds of things when it comes to Jesus's names. We could look at God's names and we see there's different ideas connected with, with who he is and how he acts. And again, back to those seven dwarfs, it is very 
obvious to us that their name is who they are. Their name is who they are. So sleepy, obviously, is sleepy all the time. Bashful, bashful, etc., etc. You get the idea. So when we stop and think about who Jesus is, we're captivated by the name and we hear it, but there are meanings behind his name. So as we think about who he is and we think about how his name reflects who he is, let's like to talk about three things that, uh, three ideas that come into bear when you think of who Jesus is. First of all, uh, Jesus came as God's gift. So we could look at names, we could look at ideas and see that Jesus came as God's gift. He came to a broken world, that a world that needed to be right when it came to sin, disobedience, selfishness. Uh, we see that in our world today, that our world is broken and the way people respond to things, even the way we who uh, you know, are trying to live right still respond to things. We see that uh, we need this gift. We need this salvation. Uh, we read back in Isaiah, again, uh, 2,500 years ago, uh, at least five, maybe even six or seven hundred years before Jesus was born, Isaiah writes this, the prophet, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. So we have to understand that Jesus is a gift. He's the ultimate present. Sometimes we talk about present, and then we can uh, play off that word and say he is present, his presence and what is wonderful about the gift of Jesus is that when you and I say yes to him, when you and I invite him into our life, when we try to follow him, we find that we are aware that he is a present in our lives. That's why Paul again writes, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. The names, in a sense, fall short. They just give a snippet of who he is, and he's so much bigger than those. His, his, his being, his essence, who he is cannot be contained by just one name. That's why we have all these references. So Jesus came as a gift. John 3.16, some of us are familiar with that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And then down to verse 17, I love the fact that the idea is that, that Jesus didn't come to point to how bad the world is. He didn't come to, in a sense, shake his finger at the world. He came to set the world right. And sometimes those of us who have been around in church world a little bit have gotten this idea that Jesus came to shake his finger at us and to tell us how bad we are. And that's not why he came. He came to set us right, right with God and right with others as we welcome him into, his, into our lives. So Jesus came as a gift. Also, we see Jesus came to lift our burdens and we could look at verse after verse after verse after verse with this idea that if we're weighed down with heaviness of life, and especially in these uncertain days, uh, Christmas also reminds us of some of the things we've lost. Uh, and all of that, we can, we can feel heavy. Jesus came to be a gift, but Jesus also came to lift our burdens. Read in Matthew, this is Jesus himself saying, Are you tired, worn out? Burned out on religion, come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Watch how I do life. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. 
And some of us can really relate to that because we've been worn out on religion. Uh, uh, church has not uh, done us right. Uh, some of you may be here because you're thinking about giving church and Christ followers a, a second look in your life. Some of you may say, I'm never doing that again. I've done that a few times. Well, Jesus came to lift our burdens. And sometimes we as Christ followers create burdens for people. And when we do that, we're getting it all wrong. Christ came to lift our burdens, to, to give us rest, to give us a, a rhythm that is sustainable for life. That's why he came. We also read that Jesus came to meet your deepest needs. There are needs in your life and my life that uh, the reality is no one else can meet them. Not even that perfect spouse. I think I've got a pretty perfect spouse, and she may uh, complement my life, but she does not complete my life. The only one that can complete my life is God himself. And so Jesus came so that he, our deepest needs could be met. Uh, we read that uh, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Again, all these facets of who he is, what his being is all about. And again, this is from that prophet from so many years ago. So out of this verse, we can see that he's come to meet our deepest needs in a number of ways. First of all, he's come to be that Wonderful Counselor. He's been to that person that can come alongside us. doesn't mean that we don't need other people in our life, but it means that he can come alongside us and, and heal the hurts that are deep within us. And only he can do that. That's why Isaiah prophesies that this guy, this person that will come, will be a wonderful counselor. And John, one of Jesus' closest friends, uh, he talks about, John, talks about Jesus, and Jesus talks about himself, and he says, the word became flesh and blood. In other words, the word, God himself, spirit, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. He became human. We saw the glory with our own eyes. This is John speaking. He saw these miracles. He saw who he was, the one in kind of glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, True from start to finish. He comes into the neighborhood. He comes and joins our lives. He leaves heaven. Sometimes we forget being born in a little manger wasn't a step up. We romanticize the story. Oh, isn't that nice? We got little nativity scenes and, and all this kind. Of, and that's great to celebrate that. But it wasn't nice. It wasn't sweet. It wasn't great in the stable. But God himself sends his son he leaves heaven the glories of heaven and comes and takes on the form of a human being and experiences he just doesn't know about it he actually experiences it how many times do you have something going on in your life i have something going on in my life and it's nice to find somebody who's kind of done the same thing or been in the same place. And it, it kind of lifts my spirits to know that they understand, not because they know about it, but because they've experienced it. And we have a God, we have a Savior, we have a Jesus who experienced life. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to have somebody betray him. He knows all those things that involve being a human, and he experienced it 
firsthand. So that gives him an amazing power to speak into our lives, to counsel our lives. We also have the idea that he's mighty God. And this is a mystery. Uh, I won't even pretend to try to unpack that in a way that I can logically completely understand it. There's pieces of it that I just, I don't get. I have to take by faith. But he's fully God, fully man. He lays aside his, his deity in a sense. He's not using that as he's man. He's just, he's walking with God. God's speaking his father into his life. Uh, yes, he has power, but he's mighty God. And we even see that in some of the miracles uh, that uh, he performs, that he does. Uh, one of the miracles that really captivates most of our minds and our ideas is when there's a storm at sea and he calms the waters. Some of us know the story of Peter trying to walk on the water and all that goes along with that. And he calms the water and the rest of the disciples are just blown away because they realize Jesus just isn't a man, just isn't a good man, just doesn't have great little pithy sayings. He is God Almighty, and we see that as he calms the waters. They were in absolute awe, staggered. Who is this anyway, they asked. Wind and sea at his beck and call. So Christ came to meet our deepest needs. He's mighty God. We also see that he's everlasting father, that we can treat him like a father. Some of us, uh, our fathers weren't perfect, and, and so we kind of wrestle with that. Uh, sometimes when we think about how God is in our life and how Christ is in our life, and we think of father, there's some hiccups in all of that. But when it comes to Christ, he's that perfect father, that father that, that just takes care of things, that comes alongside us. We read, the Lord is as kind to his followers as a father is to his children. He knows all about us. He knows that we are made from dust. He knows that, uh, that we're living in these bodies, that uh, for those of us who have brown out a little bit, we're finding things aren't working as good as they used to. God understands that. He's a father. He understands As I know when my kids especially were younger and uh, something was just a little bit outside of their grasp, doing something, some kind of activity, I needed to come alongside them and to celebrate and encourage them, but realize they were just kids, so they weren't going to totally get it. And there was some, I wanted them to understand that I was a safe place. Likewise, God, Jesus, is a safe place for us. He treats us as a father. Uh, we also see that he's prince of peace. And I don't know about you, but especially now, but basically it's always out there, even when there isn't COVID, even when there isn't craziness in politics, even when there isn't all these uncertainties, I still need peace. Some of us can remember the days where it seemed like things were just going well. Even in those days, we need peace. We need understanding. Jesus says, I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Peace. I don't leave you the way they're used to being left, feeling abandoned, bereaved. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. He says this as he's going back to be with God in heaven. And he's sending his spirit that will come alongside, that will connect us, will dwell with us. And he's saying, you can have peace. And last Sunday, we talked about it being not just an absence of conflict, it being so much more than that. 
So when we think of Jesus, when we think of Christmas Eve, when we think of uh, all that goes around this season, a uh, very common expression sometimes we see on mugs and such, uh, Jesus is the reason for the season, and that's part of it. But it's so much larger than that. Jesus is more than the reason for the season. He's the reason for life. And you hearing that maybe for the first time or trying to get your mind around that, that's something that takes a little while to digest. But as you think about who Jesus is, think about the names of Jesus and how they describe how he works in our lives, we realize that it's more than just Christmas. It's more than just a holiday. It's more than that. He is the reason for life. A few months ago, a friend of ours, uh, you might have been here, got baptized. And baptizing, being baptized is just basically an external expression of what's going on in your heart. So when someone gets baptized at this church, it means they're saying, basically, I'm going to try to follow God the best I know how, and I want to go public with my faith. So this individual got baptized, and I'd just like to share a little bit of his story. And you can see, don't take it from me, you can take it from his own words. This is a regular guy, and he has seen how Jesus has changed him from the inside out. I'm not thrilled about being on public display. Uh, it's always been a fear of mine. Um, you almost couldn't get me to do it for nothing. Um, but through the last few years, reflecting on my life and the kind of person I was, and it was not good, um, I needed to make some changes. Um, big changes. I, I got a lot of help from my sister and my brother-in-law and my wife. And um, as slowly but surely my heart was melted and chipped away, I never, I, I never cared for the church. I never, I never cared for the or was even remotely interested in the type of people that went there. Um, my sister Dolores, who is a, 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 a huge, huge God uh, Christ follower, and uh, she, for the last few years, or a few years ago, I had back surgery, and um, she would come over every day, and she would take care of me while my wife worked, and um, she, she just constantly kept at it with me. Uh, the difference in my life uh, saying yes to Christ is um, it's, it's, it's almost beyond belief. Um, almost to the point I don't want to say it. I, you know, I don't, it, it's hard to believe myself. Um, I never understood the Bible. I never understood church or what was going on in church. I never understood the passion people had for church and um, and when I said yes to Christ things just started to make sense um, I, I can remember on three occasions right in church kind of like not testing God but almost putting forth questions that I didn't realize I was going to get an answer to, and I did. Uh, saying yes to Jesus um, in my relationship with my wife. So we let Jesus 
run our marriage, I mean, and run our household. Seneca Community Church, what that means to me is I love going. I, there's just probably no way I would miss church. I can't receive not enough knowledge quick enough. I never cared for the singing, but I, I love to sing now. I love to be there. I love to see everybody there. I, I want to meet more people. And Seneca Community Church now just, our whole life revolves around that. It's everything to us now. It's just, it's home. It's really our home. Giving God a try, so to speak, or giving church a try, or even if I ran into somebody that had no interest in them, um, God or the church, I would tell them, you have to know me to understand that I, I, I never thought in a million years I'd be sitting here saying this, taking doing an interview. But if you try it and you just, you got to stick with it, your life will be, your, your life will be totally changed forever. Totally changed forever. See, Jesus is more than the reason for the season. He is the reason for life. And if that catches your attention, if you're interested in that, uh, there's some little flyer out in, in the guest services area in little pockets as knowing God personally explains that a little bit. Again, I'm not going to be able to walk you all through that in five minutes, but there's more information. There's also a little booklet. There's two different covers on it. It's the same book. It's called How Good is Good Enough, and it talks about our relationship with God, the possibility of that. I encourage you to pick one of those up. It's like 70 pages. You can probably read it in an hour if you're interested. But uh, Jesus is just way so much more than the reason for this season. He's about life. Tim talks about that. Others talk about that. It changes people from the inside and out, and that's possible for each and every person. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the gift of your Son. We're thankful that uh, coming into relationship uh, with you through him changes everything. We thank you for a story like Tim and the many others that have, have discovered how you can change everything from their uh, marriage, their family, just their whole outlook on life. And uh, Lord, we just would ask that this, morning, or this evening, each one of us would just be considering that. Those of us who have already said yes to you, that would lean more into it. And those that are just wondering would just even take another step and maybe do a little more reading, a little more talking with someone who brought them, or someone who invited them to listen online or whatever. And they might just take another step and try to figure out if this is even a possibility for life. Again, we thank you for the gift of your son. Uh, we thank you for that night so many years ago when he came into this world, born in that little manger. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. It's been kind of a